Thank you, and thank you for the invitation, and good evening once again, everyone. I'm so glad to be here in South Carolina, um, virtually. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day. You know, I've never been to a South Carolina convention, so maybe one day my husband will be the national rep, and I'll come on down with him to South Carolina, because I've heard it's a beautiful state. Um, always been interested in um, going to Myrtle Beach someday or some other out-of-the-way place. I love the beach, love the ocean. It's my favorite place in the whole world. And I know South Carolina has, has uh, great beaches. And someday I would love to come and, and share those beaches with all of you. And the, the time is coming. Vaccinations are coming and, and uh, the time is coming. And I think we just have to hold on a little longer. And in a few months, uh, we will be able to be doing more traveling, which is fantastic, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Melissa Riccobono. I grew up in Wisconsin. I was born blind. I also have an older sister who is blind and uh, two older brothers who are sighted. Um, I went to public school um, all the way through high school, graduated from high school, got a bachelor's degree from the University of Wisconsin-Madison in um, psychology, and then I got my master's degree from the same university in counseling psychology with an emphasis in school counseling. Um, in between these, these uh, degrees, um, I married my husband, Mark Riccobono, who's now president of the National Federation of the Blind, um, and we moved out to Maryland in 2004 because Dr. Maurer, who was then the president of the NFB, offered Mark a job here in Baltimore doing education programs. And, um, you know, Mark was excited to start that new chapter. And even though it meant us leaving family and friends behind in Wisconsin, we knew it was the right move for us. And so we, we made that move. Um, I did work as a school counselor for um, three years at a school in a suburb of Baltimore. And I loved that job. But when our son Austin was born, I eventually decided that I really wanted to stay home with him and raise him um, and, and not be counseling other people's kids when daycare had my son. Um, and I was lucky enough to have the full support of Mark to be able to do that. And so I did leave my job. Um, I, I do still miss that job. And someday, maybe when my kids are a little older, I might think about going back to that job. But I, I do have to say, I use those skills that I learned as a counselor pretty much every single day, either as a parent or while talking to somebody uh, just in general. Um, I, I feel like I use those skills. So I'm, I'm not sorry um, at all about getting the degree. And I'm also not sorry about choosing to stay home um, with Austin, it's a very personal decision. Um, it's not right for every person and every person doesn't have that luxury, but I've, I've been very lucky. Um, so Austin was born in 2006. So he is 14. He will be going to high school this fall. I can't believe that. Um, our daughter, Oriana, was born in 2010. She will be 11 actually on May 15th. So on Saturday, we're gonna have some birthday celebrations for her and um, she will be in sixth grade this fall, which I also can't believe. And then our youngest, Elizabeth, um, will be nine on the 3rd of June. So we'll have birthday celebrations for her too soon coming up. And she will be in fourth grade this fall, which one more time, I just can't believe time just goes so fast. 
So that's a little bit about me. Um, I've also held many other leadership roles in the National Federation of the Blind. Um, I was state president of the NFB of Maryland for a while. Um, I was way back a president of the student division in Wisconsin. Um, I'm on the board right now of the National Organization of Parents of Blind Children because both Oriana and Elizabeth are blind. So I'm a blind parent, but I'm also a parent of two blind children. And you know, I've done I've done lots of other things in the NFB and really enjoy being able to be a part of this great organization, meet so many people, um, talk with so many people. You know, for me, the NFB is really about the people and what we can do all together for the people, um, as was kind of stated in that in that devotion, meeting people where they are, and then you know helping them. Um, along their journey. And that's really what the NFB is about. I thought that was a beautiful message. Uh, Steve did ask me to talk a little bit about the history of Mother's Day. And uh, I had to smile when he asked and I thought, well, that's fine. I'm happy to do that, but I don't know the history of Mother's Day exactly. <laughs> so I did just a little bit of looking. I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't go to the encyclopedia, but I did what a lot of you probably do. I, I asked my Amazon Echo and what she told me, which I thought was really interesting, was that Mother's Day was actually founded um, in 1905 by a woman named Anna Jarvis, or started, um, but she was doing it because her mother, during the Civil War, had a Mother's Day of friendship. And her mother was really trying to help unite mothers across the country, even though obviously we're in the middle of the Civil War and the country was extremely divided. Um, and Jarvis really felt like it was important to remind all women who were mothers that whether their sons were fighting on the north side or the south side, that they were all mothers and that they all feared for their sons in the same way. And when their sons got injured or sick or passed on, that they all grieved in the same way and that they were all in this together. And I thought that was um, a really, really interesting part of the history of Mother's Day that I did not know. And I think it's um, a very good message even for today. Um, you know, there are so many things, particularly today that can divide us in all sorts of ways. And I thought what a beautiful message of friendship and unity because I, I do truly believe that there is more that unites us if we just look for it than what's what divides us. And so I, I thought that was super interesting. Um, so then in 1914, the Congress passed a law saying that the second Sunday in May every year was going to be a special day to honor's mother. And uh, to, I'm sorry, to honor mothers. And so that was what became Mother's Day. And of course, Woodrow Wilson was the president and he signed that into law. Um, so Mother's Day has been around for a long time. Um, Steve also asked me to talk just a little bit about my mom. And so I will do that because my mom is absolutely one of my heroes. Um, my mom's name is Judy. I'm very fortunate. She is still alive and very healthy. Um, she is living in Wisconsin. My father passed away in 2010, um, but my mom um, has continued to live in the house where they lived together and where I grew up. And um, she is, in her mid seventies, but still very able to take care of her house and herself and has very few health problems and has made it through COVID okay. Um, though I, I think it would have, um, I, I 
I don't know what she would do without the telephone or without some connections. Um, luckily, my brother and his daughter um, live in the same town that she does. And so they, they were still able to see my mom through um, the, the COVID time um, because my mom is above all else, a people person. She gets her energy from people, from helping people, from being around people, from doing things with people. And so this was a very difficult time for her would have been much more difficult if she didn't have at least some people in her life that were checking in on her and able to at least see her once in a while. Um, she also actually kept busy creating some documents and some playing cards and different things in Braille. She was able to borrow a Braille writer. Um, when my mom found out my sister was blind, she learned Braille. And um, eventually, far down the road, after my sister and I had both graduated from high school and were um, out in the world with children of our own, she actually began to work in the um, school system in Watertown, Wisconsin, as a paraprofessional for a, a child who was blind. When she started working with him, he was in fourth grade, and um, she actually worked with him all the way up through the time he graduated from high school. And when she started working with him, he knew very little Braille, and luckily he had a very good teacher of blind students who pushed him very hard to make sure that he learned Braille. But my mom was very integral in that process too, because she was the one that actually got trained and learned how to um, transcribe documents into Braille and then would do a lot of work with him, not only to make sure that his materials were there, but then that he was actually reading them in Braille and doing what he needed to do. And, you know, making sure that he was being as independent as possible, because that was really what my mom gave to my sister and me, um, my dad as well. Um, but my dad, and of course, we're not talking about Father's Day, but I do have to mention my dad just a little bit. My dad was was the quiet one in the relationship. My mom was the one that was very much out front, very much um, the cheerleader. And my dad was a cheerleader in his own way, but it was a much quieter way. He definitely supported us. He supported my mom. He was always there at important events, but he was sort of in the background. My mom was much more out front. And so my mom always said that she loved all of her children, but at some point in our lives, she wanted to let us go. She wanted us to move out on our own. She wanted us to have families of our own, have jobs of our own, all of those kinds of things, if, if that was what we chose to do. And she made it pretty clear that we weren't going to be living in her basement until we were, you know, 42 years old. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that if that's, if, if that's how your family works or that's the way that um, you need or what you need to have support or what your parents, as they get older, need to have support. And sometimes those can be very beneficial relationships. But she really always thought toward the future and really wanted us, even if it meant that we were going to move far away from her, which obviously I did. I'm here in Maryland and she's still in Wisconsin. Um, and she doesn't love that because she'd love to see me and our grandchildren and um, the, you know, her grandchildren and that more often. But she knows that we're doing the things that we want to do. And she's so happy that I have the skills, that she helped me get those skills. What kind of skills am I talking about? Well, things like cooking, 
cleaning, traveling, um, social type skills, being responsible, having a good work ethic, um, solving problems that came up, not waiting for someone to do something for me necessarily, but really trying to figure out things for myself. Um, oh gosh. I mean, I'm sure there are many other ones, but those are the ones that kind of jump to mind when I think about my mom and what she's done for me. And that's really what I'm trying to give to my children in different ways. Um, you know, of course I want my daughters and my son to be independent people, to be good problem solvers, to have good work ethic, um, to be good citizens of society. And yes, even though I'm sad and, and it seems like the time is coming ever closer that our son is gonna be in college before we blink our eyes, I feel like. Um, I do want him to be able to find his own way and my girls after him to find their own ways and, and do the things that are going to make them happy um, and, and leave their own marks on the world. Um, and I think that's something that I share with mothers everywhere. Um, and I think that mothers everywhere give their children these same types of, of skills all the time, um, every single day. And I also think that there are mothers who mother many people without giving birth to them. And so anyone who's on this call, I think is a mother. And I actually think that, you know, even for, for um, our, our male counterparts, you know, you might call them fathers, but I do think that there are some times that, that even our big tough males really mother someone by giving them that, that great advice that they need or that hand up when they're feeling really upset about something or um, that reality check maybe even sometimes if they think that they're doing something just right and, and they just keep feeling like they're banging their head against the wall because things aren't going right. And you know maybe somebody has said, well, have you ever looked at it this way? Or maybe you need to try it this way instead or think about it this way instead. And so I think we all have the ability um, to mother. And I think it's really important to, to remember that. And I think it's really important to um, make sure that we, um, that we don't take that for granted, that we tell the people that have mothered us that we appreciate them, um, tell them what they mean to us. Um, and I think that we all you know, just like Anna Jarvis was saying, or Ann Jarvis was saying, those who are mothers and those who mother in general are all united. And I think that's really what we do also in the National Federation of the Blind. We, we care for each other, we care about each other, but at the heart of what we do, I think we really wanna just help people realize that they can live the lives they want, they can transform their dreams into reality and you know, that's, that's sort of um, the mothering part of what we do. So I'm really happy to be here. I don't know if you usually um, take questions. I don't know, Steve, if you want me to talk about anything else, but um, I, I was really happy to be here. And, and those are just some of my thoughts on my own mother and kind of mothers in the National Federation of the Blind.
Melissa, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and appreciate you speaking. Uh, does anyone have any questions for Melissa? If you do, just raise your hand, please. Yep, and it can be time. anything. It can be about anything. It doesn't have to be about mothers. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't promise I have all the answers, <laughs> but I'm more than happy to answer questions. I'm not seeing any. Uh, there's Casey, I see your hand is raised. Go ahead, ma'am. Um, I just wanted to thank you for all that you mentioned and uh, encouraging us. Um, but I also wanted to make a comment that I find what you went to school to do very interesting because I am working towards completing my master's in rehabilitation and counseling. And I am um, currently in a program for to become a school mental health counselor. So when you started talking wow. about being a school counselor, I was like, hey, wait, I want to pick your brain. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. If you would like to do that, um, I'd be more than happy. It's been a while since I've worked in a school, but I loved it. And I certainly remember how I did the things that I, that I did. And um, I would love to talk to you. Um, I can give you my email if you'd like that. Um, so we can, we can connect and chat um, at some that point. That would be lovely. Okay. Are you ready? Or should I put it in the chat? What's the easiest? You can go ahead and give it to me. Okay, and, and this goes for anybody else as well who might want to uh, connect with me for whatever reason. Um, my email is pretty easy to find, so don't, don't be shy. Um, probably the easiest one for me to give you is Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at actionfund.org. So A-C-T-I-O-N-F-U-N-D, actionfund.org. So Melissa at actionfund.org, and I'd be more than happy to uh, talk to any, any one of you about, uh, about anything at any time. But I, I'm always happy to um, have my brain picked about um, counseling. I'm always happy to have my brain picked about parenting. Um, I'm always happy to have my brain picked about music. I'm an I'm a avid um, uh, singer. I, I uh, feel like singing is as natural as breathing to me. Um, and I really enjoy that. Um, uh, I also love baseball. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are my team of choice, though, you know, of course, I live in Maryland, so I have to also sort of cheer for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, but, you know, I'd be I'd be more than happy to, to talk to anybody at any time about pretty much anything. Thank Shannon you so very her. much. You're welcome. Shannon Cook has her hand raised. Hi. Hi. I wanted to ask a loaded question um, talking about you and your mom and the lessons she taught you. Mm -hmm. What sticks in your mind as one of the hardest things she taught you that's been of most use throughout your life? Oh, boy. The hardest thing she taught me that's been of the most use. Hmm. That is a, a great, great question. Um, you know, that's a really hard one because again, she taught me so many things and she taught me so many things that were, you know, hardish, you know, I guess, <laughs> 
I guess just in general, you know, I was the youngest kid in the family. Um, my mom went back to work when I was three and worked then, of course, all through my, my high school, you know, so it was very different when I was growing up um, little and um, my mom um, wasn't around for me in the same ways as, as, or, you know, she was around, but she wasn't quite as available as she was um, when my brother, brothers and sister were growing up just because, you know, when they were growing up, she was at home full time. And by the mm -hmm. time I came along, you know, she was not. Um, so I think one thing that was hard was that um, two things, you know, first of all, one thing that was sort of hard was there were times that, you know, I wanted her to be there to kind of do something for me but she wasn't. So I either had to wait for her or I had to kind of figure it out myself. And I'm a pretty impatient person. <laughs> and I'm also a very adventurous person for the most mm -hmm. part. And so most of the time that meant that I would figure things out myself. Now, um, was it always the safest? Was it always the best? <laughs> no, probably not. But, but it really was um, a good thing. And it also really allowed my sister and I to get very close. I think we would have been close anyway. My sister's six years older um, and she really wanted a little sister and she especially wanted a little sister who was blind and lo and behold, that's what she got. And so um, because my mom, I mean, I think we would have been close anyway, but, but specifically because my mom was at work, my sister um, took care of me a lot, babysat for me a lot. And so we got close um, in ways. And, and again, sometimes that was hard. And I think it was probably harder for her <laughs> than for me. <laughs> but I, I did kind of learn. Um, I kind of learned to be independent in different ways. And I think that's really somewhat important. I think a lot of times nowadays, um, and of course, families are just smaller in general. But I see right. more and more and more that people have one child and the child is blind and then they just don't have any more children. And I think that, um, you know, obviously you can have very successful, my husband's an only child. I mean, I'm not saying that's wrong by any means, but I do think that it can sometimes really make it hard for that child because parents really don't know what to expect from that child. And so- mm -hmm the child kind of gets behind or, you know, the parent thinks, well, for a blind child, they're doing really well. Um, you know, but, but, you know, maybe they're, they're, they're they could learn more, do more things. I think the other right. thing that was hard was of course, because my mom worked, she kind of wanted to do more for all of us because that was kind of how she showed her love. And I think she felt bad sometimes that she was working. And so she, you know, cooked and cleaned and, but she always made me do chores. Um, and my hated chore was cleaning my closet. And oh my gosh, we would go round and round and round. And then she would help me and we'd get it all organized. And in, you know, two months, it was just as messy. And I yep. tell you what, when I help my girls organize their rooms and clean their closets, 
Number one, I say thank you to my mom time and time again for her being patient because I know that could not have been easy because I'm sure I drove her just as nuts as my girls did or do. Right. Um, but also, you know, just that, that ability to organize and that ability to just, you know, say, look, no, you, you do need to learn to do this yourself. You do need to mm-hmm. learn to cook. You do need to learn, you know, to clean and to organize. Um, because I'm not always going to be here and I don't always want you living with me. And some days I really do want you to have your own kids if that's what you want. And um, you're going to need to, you know, do those things for them. So, no, I don't know that that any of it was super hard. I don't remember like tears of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do such and such, but you're going to make me and you're so mean. Um, But just kind of those normal things of life. um, Right. Writing thank you notes, I guess, is just one more that I think sometimes is going out of style. But that was just, you know, whenever we had Christmas or confirmation or graduation or first communion or whatever it was, if we got gifts, we had to write a thank you note to whoever it was. And um, I do remember times in high school when I was just, you know, I have this homework to do and this and this and this. And she'd say, but yes, but you have to sit down and write your thank you note to such and such a person or such and Mm -hmm. such a place. And I do remember going up to my room and slamming my door and saying, push, push, push. She just wants to push me all the time. She doesn't understand how stressful this is. But I sat down and I wrote that note. And, you know, I do think that thank you notes um, should be much more common. I, I, you know, that's a tradition that I um, carry on with my kids and my daughter got money for her birthday the other day from somebody in our affiliate and I had her sit down and write an email to that person. And she got an email back and she was so excited. And I thought, you know, thanks mom. Like, this is really good. This is what it's all about. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Melissa, I'm not seeing any more hands raised, but uh, again, thank you for being here tonight and to uh, be sure to let your kids know, keep the jokes coming at the end of the presidential release. <laughs> we definitely will. We, we enjoy that very much. And, uh, you know, we will definitely do that. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, I am going to have to get off so that I can go and make sure that uh, dinner ended okay in our house and that things are getting cleaned up. But I really appreciate the opportunity and um, look forward to hearing from anybody that would like to write to melissa at actionfund.org. And also please come to the presidential suite at the national convention. Um, We'd love to talk to you and um, you know, it'll be a great place for you to talk to other federation leaders and network. And um, we, we just would love to see you there. Awesome, looking forward to it. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too, Melissa. If you would like more information about the National Federation of the Blind of South Carolina, you may contact Jennifer Baser, President, text or talk at 803-960-9977, or you may email me at jennifer.h.baser, that's B-A-Z-E-R, at gmail.com.